Hey there, MLB Morning Coffee listeners. Love the show? Well, now we are open to advertising opportunities. Get your name and your brand on our show daily. Email greg.maraz, that's G-R-E-G dot M-R-O-Z at yahoo.com to learn how you can be a part of this program. Advertising opportunities now available here on MLB Morning Coffee. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Ah, yes, welcome into MLB Morning Coffee here on a Thursday morning from the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. My name is Greg Moraz. I am your host, as always. We decided instead of doing a daily recap, because it's not really going to be that long, we want to do a recap of games one and two as today is an off day, and then we'll do a recap of Game 3 in full, depending upon how I'm feeling. We're not going to have a Game 3, 4, and 5 recap. We're at least going to get to Game 5, because we have a series tied at one apiece. The Dodgers won Game 1, 8-3. The Rays won Game 2, 6-4. So we're going to get into the recaps of both of these games. A couple of reminders for you. Write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. It helps out our metrics tremendously. And make sure that you tell your friends about the show. It certainly helps out our growth. And also, as you heard at the top of the broadcast, if you're interested in advertising with us, email me at greg.maraz at yahoo.com. That's G-R-E-G dot M-R-O-Z at yahoo.com. So let's get into the recap for game one. A scoreless game, Clayton Kershaw and Tyler Glasnow throwing bullets at each other for the first three innings. Bottom four, one on. Cody Bellinger stepped to the plate. And he pulls one into right center. Back at the track, at the wall, it is gone. Bellinger makes it 2-0 Dodgers here in the fourth of game one. A two-run homer gives the Dodgers a 2-0 lead. But top five, the Rays would get half of that back. Kevin Kiermeyer stepped to the plate against Clayton Kershaw. It is on. Here's a shot into right. Back at the wall. It is gone off the bat of Kiermeyer. Gliding around the bases as he has broken up that string of 13 straight and cut the Dodger lead in half here in the fifth. Kiermaier's homer makes it a 2-1 ball game in favor of Los Angeles. You're hoping if you're a Tampa Bay Rays fan, and full disclosure, I am rooting for the Rays to win this series, that Tampa's going to be able to hold L.A. in the bottom of the fifth. That was not the case. So let's take you through the bottom of the fifth because we're going to play you one highlight, but the highlight that I want to play was not available on the Internet, or at least not in an area where I could pull it, but I want to explain to you the significance of what that play was. So bottom five, Tyler Glasnow still on the mound for Tampa Bay. Mookie Betts walks to lead off the inning. Then he steals second base. Corey Seager then walks. Mound visit by Kyle Snyder, the pitching coach for Tampa Bay. Then Justin Turner strikes out swinging, but a double steal occurred on that play. So Betts goes to third. Seager goes to second. So one run ball game, one out. Infield has to come in. Max Muncy steps to the plate. Now Muncy grounds the ball to first at Yandy Diaz. Diaz throws home as Mookie Betts was going on contact. The throw is wide. If it's a good throw, Betts is dead at the plate and you've got two outs in the inning. 
but the throw is wide. He scores. Seager goes to third. Muncie safe at first, and that sets up this at bat from Will Smith. Runner goes, and a shot into left center field for a base hit. And the score is Seager going first to third is Muncie and the Dodgers. Open up a 4-1 to lead, and they just keep on turning the crank. So that puts the Dodgers up 4-1 to at that point, but they were not done adding on. Cody Bellinger popped out, and then with two outs, Chris Taylor with an RBI single, and then Kike Hernandez as a pinch hitter. He grounds a ball into left field that scores Will Smith, makes it 6-1. to Mookie Betts has been a star of the playoffs, and in the sixth inning, he came up big once again. And he is greeted by Betts, a shot into right, back at the wall, and it's gone. One pitch, one more run, and the first Dodger postseason home run for Mookie Betts, 7-1. to I got to tell you all, this ballpark in Texas, the ball is carrying way too far in this ballpark. And I gotta say, this ballpark is just not natural. It does not set up the way that most baseball parks should. But in any event, 7-1 Dodgers at this point, they would get an eighth run in that inning, thanks in large part to a Justin Turner double and a Max Muncie RBI double against Josh Fleming. Rays would get two runs in the top of the seventh inning. Victor Gonzalez comes on. And I'll just say, when things are not going well, you've got two on and one out. Mike Zanino at the plate. You have a chance to cut into the lead, potentially get it to a three-run ball game, and then this happens. That is caught. Unbelievable double play. And the inning is over. Sometimes when it doesn't go your way, it does not go your way. Dodgers win by an 8-3 final. Clayton Kershaw gets the win for Los Angeles. He surpassed the 200 career strikeout mark in postseason play. Six innings of two-hit baseball, one run, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Tyler Glasnow the loss. He allows six runs on three hits in four and a third. He walked six and struck out eight. No save in the ball game for either side. Big statistical night for Max Muncy as he goes two for four with two RBI, two runs scored, and a walk. Chris Taylor goes two for three with an RBI and a walk. Kike Hernandez one for two with an RBI. Mookie Betts two for four with an RBI on his home run, two runs scored, and a walk. For Tampa Bay, they had just six hits. The only guy with multiple hits was Kevin Kiermeyer as he goes two for three with two RBI and a run scored. Now we go into some of the in-depth stuff with our good friend, Sarah Langs. Okay, she's not really my good friend. I just refer to her as that because she is just awesome at what she does, and I admire her greatly. The first stat is about Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is one of two players in Major League history with a walk and two stolen bases in the same inning. The other one, Babe Ruth, so that's a pretty good company to keep yourself in. Clayton Kershaw has 200 postseason strikeouts. That leaves him five behind Justin Verlander for the most postseason strikeouts of all time. Yes, hard to fathom that the career leader in postseason strikeouts is somebody that is still playing, 
but Justin Verlander has been in his fair share of postseasons. It's the second straight year that the leadoff hitter in the top of the first inning got a hit. Trey Turner did it last year against Garrett Cole, playing for the Astros at that time. Cody Bellinger has four homers in the postseason. The only players with more, Corey Seager this year with six and Davey Lopes in 1978 with five. We'll get to Corey Seager a little bit later on in this program because he would add to that total in game two, not to give anything away. This stat is a little bit of a negative connotation against Clayton Kershaw, but I think it's worth putting out there. I know that everybody harps on Kershaw for what he's done in the postseason. Clayton Kershaw has allowed three home runs on his slider in the postseason. That third home run was Kevin Kiermeyer's. He had only allowed two home runs on his slider in the 2020 regular season. Now, granted, shorter season than normal, but still worth noting. So eight of the last ten teams to win game one of the World Series that's coming into this year have gone on to win the whole thing. The two that have not, the 2016 Indians and the 2017 Dodgers. Also, the Dodgers have three former MVPs on the World Series roster, which is Kershaw, Betts, and Bellinger. They were the fourth team with three former MVPs on the World Series roster in the divisional era. That's since 1969, and the first since the 1983 Philadelphia Phillies. Our final stat for you, Tyler Glasnow and Clayton Kershaw each struck out eight batters in game one. It's the first time that both starters had at least eight strikeouts in a World Series game since 2009 World Series Game 2. A.J. Burnett of the Yankees had nine, and Pedro Martinez of the Phillies, that's right, the Phillies, had eight. So that is our Game 1 recap. We move on to Game 2, and let's just say, in the words of the classic rock or soul band war, that in the top of the first inning, Tampa Bay had the low rider or rather, the Lau Rider. Here's a 3-1, and a shot in the left center. Back at the wall, it is gone. Lau has put the Rays on top as he busts out with a first inning, game two, home run. Good to see Brandon Lau get off the deck. He had really been struggling in the postseason I think he had one home run in the first round, but he gets a home run to start the ball game for Tampa Bay. He was the second batter of the game off of Tony Gonsolin, 1-0 Rays at that point. Blake Snell got the start for Tampa Bay. He did not allow a hit through the first four innings of the ball game, but we'll get back to him in just a little bit. Meanwhile, we mentioned that Tony Gonsolin got the start for L.A. Gonsolin was pulled after an inning and a third for Dylan Floro. He went an inning in the third, and then Victor Gonzalez came in. He went an inning, and Dustin May came in in the top of the fourth. It's the first time in World Series history that a team has used four different pitchers in the first four innings. A team like Tampa Bay knows how to bullpen. The Dodgers don't necessarily know how to do that. So where you have two starters like Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May, who have effectively, because they've been used out of the bullpen and been used in these swing roles, they can't really start a normal game. And at one point last night, they had been warming up Julio Urias, who they are going to need to start game four. They cannot do another bullpen game. Urias has to start game four for them. Walker Bueller is going to start game three. But anyways, 
We go into the top of the fourth inning, still a one nothing ball game at this point in favor of Tampa Bay. Brandon Lau grounded out to start the inning, then Randy Arozarena walked. G-Man Choi hit into a fielder's choice. Dustin May then came on in favor of Victor Gonzalez as Dave Roberts wanted to play left-right matchup as he was squaring up with Manuel Margot. Margot then singled, and basically he brought in Dustin May to try and blow away Manuel Margot because left-handed hitting Joey Wendell was on deck, and let's just say that by not sticking with Gonzalez, Wendell made Dustin May pay. A one. That's in to right center. And to the wall. One run scores. That's Choi. Margot all the way around, and Wendell has delivered. It's three in Tampa Bay here in the fourth. 3 nothing raise after the two RBI double from Joey Wendell. Again, I understand playing the matchups. You could have kept Gonzalez in there to face Margot. Margot has hit homers in the playoffs, but he's not a guy that's going to torch you. Even if you don't retire Margot, you still have Wendell coming up in a left-on-left situation. Now, I get that there were two on, so maybe going to May was basically the move that Roberts wanted to get Margot in a right-on-right situation. I still believe that you probably could have gotten Margot in a left-on-right situation. Victor Gonzalez has been very good this postseason. But the move does not pay off for Los Angeles. We now go to the top of the fifth inning, a runner on, and Brandon Lau once again at the plate. That's pretty well hit into left. Back at the wall, and it's gone. Second of the night for Brandon Lau. And this is a five to nothing game here in game two. Lau's second homer of the night, and the Rays go up 5-0 at that point. Blake Snell, as we mentioned, had not allowed a hit in the first four innings. He got Cody Bellinger to ground out and A.J. Pollock to strike out to start the fifth. So he has a no-hitter through four and two-thirds innings. He then issues a two-out walk to Enrique Hernandez, and that brings up Chris Taylor. Hits it well into right. Back at the track. Are on the board. Their first hit, their first two runs, and it's 5 2 here in the fifth. Taylor's homer gets Los Angeles on the board, but then Snell walks Mookie Betts, and then Corey Seeger singles, and that ends the night for Blake Snell. So he has a no hitter with two out in the fifth inning, and he doesn't record another out. Nick Anderson comes in, and he gets Justin Turner to strike out swinging to end the inning. I agree with that move because you could tell that Snell was leaking oil. He was at 88 pitches, and this is a guy that was coming off surgery. The Rays really haven't let him pitch past five innings. And given that Tampa in game one used Josh Fleming and Ryan Yarbrough out of the bullpen and an off day today, you could go to your four horsemen, and the four horsemen I'm referring to, Pete Fairbanks, Nick Anderson, Aaron Loop, and Diego Castillo, who they all went to. But more on that in a little bit. So the Dodgers give up a run to the Rays in the top of the sixth inning, thanks to a sacrifice fly. Then bottom six, Will Smith hits a home run. We go all the way to the bottom of the eighth. It is still a 6-3 game. Pete Fairbanks is in the ball game. Corey Seager steps up to the plate to start the inning. Hit in the air to center. The track, it is gone. Another one for Seeger. 
absolutely red hot this postseason, and Corey Seager has his seventh. Corey Seager's a guy that you just cannot get out right now. And a couple of stats here from Sarah Langs. His seven home runs now are the most by shortstop in a single postseason, passing Carlos Correa, who also did it this year, Rich Aurelia, who had six in 2002, Carlos Correa had five in 2017. Corey Seager also has 10 career postseason homers, which is tied with Steve Garvey and Justin Turner for second most in Dodgers postseason history. First is Duke Snyder, who has 11. He has seven homers this postseason, just like Randy Rosarena. The only players with more in a single postseason, Nelson Cruz, Carlos Beltran, and Barry Bonds, who each had eight. They did it in 2011, 2004, and 2002, respectively. So, the home run came off of Pete Fairbanks. Fairbanks faces Justin Turner, Turner doubles. So you've got the tying run coming to the plate. Max Muncy gets a hanging slider from Pete Fairbanks, and he flies out. Then Will Smith lines out sharply to Joey Wendell at third. Really nice play made by Wendell. Probably, if it gets by him, it's a one-run game, and you've got the tying run at second. So then, Kevin Cash makes the brilliant move again to go to the bullpen. He's going to play left-on-left, Aaron Loop against Cody Bellinger. And let's just say the matchup this time worked perfectly. The next from Loop. Got him looking. And the inning is over. Loop was looking nasty. He strikes out Cody Bellinger to end the inning. Now, here's the interesting thing about the three-batter minimum rule. It's three batters or you finish the inning. So basically, what Kevin Cash had to decide is whether or not he was going to go to Diego Castillo to start the ninth. It's still a 6-4 ball game going to the bottom of the ninth. Or whether he was going to let Loop face two more hitters. And see, this is the deal. Because it's the three batter minimum, even though he finished the inning, if he comes back out for the next inning, he has to face two more batters to fulfill the rule. So Loop comes back out for the ninth inning. Edwin Rios strikes out swinging. Then Austin Barnes, a righty, pinch hits for Jack Peterson, a lefty. Barnes flies out. Then Diego Castillo comes in to face Chris Taylor. The three batter minimum rule has been achieved. Taylor strikes out. The ball game is over. Rays win 6-4. to four. Nick Anderson got the win because he was the first guy out of the bullpen. He allowed a run in an inning and a third, no walks, two strikeouts, and a homer. Tony Gonsolin takes the loss because he gave up the first run of the ball game. The Dodgers never led in game two. Going to the box score, Brandon Lau, two for five with two home runs, three RBI, and two runs scored. Manuel Margot, two for three with a run scored. Joey Wendell, one for three with three RBI. He had the sack fly, by the way, that gave the Rays the sixth run of the ball game. Corey Seager, two for four with an RBI and a run scored for Los Angeles. Will Smith, one for four with a solo homer. He struck out twice. Chris Taylor, one for four with a two-run homer and one run scored. Going into some in-depth stats from the great Sarah Langs. Randy Rosarena had a hit in game two. He now has 22 hits in the postseason. Ties Derek Jeter in 1996 for the most hits in a single postseason by a rookie. The Game 3 winner in a best-of-seven series has gone on to win the series 65 of 94 times. That is when the series is tied at one game apiece. The Rays have hit 28 homers in the postseason, breaking a tie with the 2017 Astros and the 2002 Giants for the most in a single postseason. This one stat is apropos of absolutely nothing, but I think it's pretty cool. Chris Taylor became the first Dodger to hit a World Series home run batting in the nine position since Kirk Gibson 
pinch hit in the ninth spot in game one of the 1988 World Series. Before that, it was Jay Johnstone in game four of the 1981 World Series. And it is worth noting there are four guys on this list, not including Taylor. Taylor is the only one that started the game in the nine position to hit that home run. And it makes sense because there's a DH this year in the National League, and most of the time that would be the pitcher spot. So all good there. Game three matchup, it's going to be Walker Bueller against Charlie Morton, young versus old. Here's a great stat about Walker Bueller. He's going to make his 11th career postseason start in Game 3, which is tied for 5th most before turning 27. The other guys on this list, Andy Pettit had 11 before turning 27. Cole Hamels, Madison Bumgarner, and Steve Avery all had 12. And then Don Gullett had 13. Gotta be honest, never heard of Don Gullett, but Don Gullett is on that list. So, Game three is tomorrow. It is going to be fun. The Rays are going to be the home team. I need to confirm that they're going to do this 2-3-2 and not 2-2-1-1-1. Yep, it is 2-3-2. So the Rays are going to be the home team in games three, four, and five. It is going to be a 5:08 Pacific time start Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Game six would be on Tuesday, so there would be an off day on Monday if this series gets to six games, and I have a feeling that it's going to. I don't think that one team is going to end up winning all three of these games, especially with Tampa as the home team. Again, even with no home field advantage, it still matters that you're the team that has the last at bat, so... That is it for today's MLB Morning Coffee, recapping games one and two of the World Series. Have a great day. We will talk to you Saturday morning, recapping the Rays and the Dodgers game three of the World Series.